You're listening to The Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. I have returned, CJ here, and my apologies for not putting out an episode last week. Real life gets in the way of things sometimes, but it didn't this week. I'm back, I have returned, and there is a lot that's been going on this past week in the world of professional wrestling. We have Clash of Champions this Sunday coming up, and I'll be doing my predictions at the end of this episode for... Uh, the pay-per-view this Sunday. Uh, you'll also be hearing a big rant I got about how horrible Raw was this week. Uh, going to be going over what happened AEW, what happened in NXT, uh, the build for Clash of Champions, um, some of the news that's happened this week uh, can, uh, in the world of professional wrestling. So we kick things off with a bit of a sad, sad tone. Uh, just a couple days ago... Uh, we got the news that Road Warrior Animal had passed away at the age of 60 years old. On Twitter the other day, on the uh, yesterday at the time of this recording, it said, At this time, we would like to confirm the passing of Joseph Laurinaitis, a.k.a. the Road Warrior Animal, at the age of 60. The family is planning to release a statement later today. At this time, we ask for you to keep everyone in your thoughts and prayers. Hashtag, oh, what a rush. Uh, LOD, Legion of Doom, Road Warriors were a tad before my time as a pro wrestling fan, but um, even if you're not necessarily a pro wrestling fan, you kind of knew who the Road Warriors were, you know, Road Warrior Animal, Road Warrior Hawk, Hawk died quite some time ago, a long time ago, and now they have returned the great ring in the sky. Um, Road Warrior Animal uh, and Road Warrior Hawk, they are arguably you can arguably say they're the best they're the best tag team of all time um you know with those big massive spike uh, sh- uh shoulder pads you know that's com- in the face paint pretty much taking from mad max um but they were one of the best tag teams to ever lace a pair of boots one of the best finishers in professional wrestling history um and it's a shame that uh, uh you know, Animal has only passed away at the age of 60, and that's relatively young for a pro wrestler or a retired pro wrestler. And um, But it's not necessarily um, out of the question because we've seen a lot of wrestlers in the past die at a relatively young age. You know, he probably had a lot of uh, time left in him. We don't – I don't know what his uh, – his personal choices, you know, he was in an era where, you know, they did a lot of, did a lot of drugs and drank, so uh, he – could have partaken in that. It could have shortened his life. Uh, the fact of the matter is, it's, it's just a shame that he has passed away at the age of 60 years old. So we here at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast send our deepest condolences to the family and the loved ones of Joseph Laurinaitis, a.k.a. Road Warrior Animal. Oh, what a rush. Rest in peace, Animal. Moving on to what happened uh, with AEW. Going to start with AEW here to kick off with the more the happier side of this podcast, which is why we're all here, professional wrestling. Um, actually, I'm sorry. Before we get to that, there is some 
slightly bad news about AEW. Uh, unfortunately, AEW had some uh, positive coronavirus cases where a good number of the roster was reported by Dave Meltzer was not able to come to Daly's place. In fact, one of those people tested positive for COVID-19 was Lance Archer, the number one contender for the AEW championship, which him and John Moxley were supposed to have a championship match at the end of this past week of Dynamite's episode. Uh, it was the main event. So, at the announcement, Tony Khan and AEW, they had announced that instead, John Moxley will be facing Eddie Kingston in the main event, which I like this I like this idea even more. Um, Eddie Kingston really sold has really sold me uh, this week um, and his match against Cody when he came into AEW. I'm, I'm becoming I'm slowly but surely becoming a fan of Eddie Kingston. Just mainly his his work on the mic. Eddie Kingston is one of the best mic guys out there in pro wrestling. He is a guy who. When I hear him talk, I feel like he's completely genuine and it's no bullshit. Like, this is who he is. Like, who who he is on, in that ring is who he is uh, in real life. I get that that vibe from very similar to, like, Samoa Joe. Um, but Kingston was uh, the replacement, which uh, I say hats off to AEW for making the best of a bad situation. Uh, it's not really clear as to who else could have contracted COVID-19. Lance Archer was confirmed. Uh, Brian Cage wasn't seen uh, on this episode of Dynamite. Neither were the Butcher and the Blade, from what I've seen. Uh, so it's possible they could have contracted COVID nineteen or what. We're not sure, but um, but the main event was changed to Moxley and uh, Eddie Kingston, which we'll get into in a few minutes. Uh, running down some things that happened on the show is that Miro made his AEW de- in ring debut, teaming with Kip Sabian against Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss. Uh, this is a good showing so far for Miro, uh, but this is just a taste of what we can see Miro do uh, in AEW, and I really want to see Miro do more. I mean, right now it's um, it's fine, you know, just get a, give him a taste, I guess. But apparently, this whole best man gimmick is not just going to be that he's the best man of Kip Sabian; is that he's kind of almost like the per- uh, Mister Perfect type of gimmick, where like he's the best at everything. And I'm excited to see how that goes. Uh, Miro also recently had an interview, I think, with Sports Illustrated, and pretty much saying that he's not limited to uh, his contract just to AEW, and that he's able to go elsewhere when the opportunity arises. And he's expressed a lot of interest of going to Japan, going to New Japan, and work um, when the time is right, and when you know people from the U.S. can travel to different countries again. I would love to see Miro in New Japan. I'd love to see him get in there with Minoru Suzuki and Okada, Naito, Jay White, Will Ospreay, uh, Tomohiro Ishii. Just the list goes on and on. And um, I mean, we're thinking about all the great matches Miro could have in New Japan when he's only been in AEW for two weeks. Um, it's just exciting to see you know a guy like Miro to get an opportunity this way and for him to actually seem like he enjoys wrestling again. The match was pretty good. The match was decent, and it got over Miro, Miro well. Pierce, he is a heel, even though he's going to be cheered like a baby face. Uh, but, uh, but I'm excited for Miro. Not a bad match and a good way to bring him in his angering debut. Um, the next thing that happened was Kenny Omega. I'm sorry. Hangman Adam Page versus uh, Evil Uno with Dark Order on ringside and Kenny Omega on commentary. Uh, this is the second week in a row that Kenny has done commentary for 
Hangman's matches. And I've got to believe this is going to lead to a match at All Out. I don't think Kenny has officially turned heel yet. I know on BTE he's kind of he's really teased hard the cleaner bringing back the cleaner gimmick. Um, it appeared he had turned heel at that um watch call it at All Out. It appeared that, but I guess that's not the case. But um, this has to be leading to a match between Kenny and Hangman at Full Gear. That that's what I think is going to happen because. I think it's going to lead to a point where Kenny's just going to keep coming back and coming back. I honestly think we may not see Kenny Omega back in a singles match until uh, Full Gear. Just just a thought, because he keeps saying, oh, I want to get back in the ring as a singles guy. I want to be a singles guy, a singles guy. But then every week he can be coming on Hangman, Hangman Page's matches. Hangman can call him out on it and be like, I... I have watched back, and I've heard what you said. You've said you want to be a singles guy. You want to be a singles guy, but you haven't gotten in the ring yet. You haven't worked a singles match yet. What are you waiting for? What's what's going on? And then, you know, that can start the, the build-up and the feud between Hangman and Kenny, and you can build your match off of that, you know? And he's like, all right, Hangman's like, you know, all right, you want to, you want to be a singles guy? Fine. I'll be your first match. And then they can have a match full gear. Um, but this has got to lead to Kenny Omega turning heel. We talked about it a lot, and it's got to lead to Kenny turning heel, and eventually going after a John Moxley as the as the uh, as the AEW champion, because it would make complete sense for a heel Kenny Omega to take the title off of John Moxley, and who knows, maybe a babyface Hangman Adam Page down the line taking it from a heel Kenny Omega, you know. Maybe when fans return, we can get Ken, uh, we can get Kenny Omega to drop the title to a ba- to Hangman Adam Page. Who knows? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but speaking of heel turns, also uh, Kenny Omega's best friends, the Young Bucks. It is without a shadow of a doubt that they have turned heel because Tony Schiavone came uh, to try and interview Matt and Nick, and he was afraid he's going to get super kicked. Matt. He was like, "Oh, it's okay, Nick. It's okay. It's just, it's just Tony. I'll, I'll take care of this." And Tony was asking the hard questions, and he's asking, "You know, what's with you guys? You know, you know, FTR. You know, you you were supposed to be the tag champions, and now this separation of you and Kenny and and Hangman almost. You know, and and Matt was getting furious, visibly furious with Tony. So he's like, Tony, you got your phone on you? Like, yeah, yeah, you got your phone here. And then he just starts smacking Tony's phone." Up against the wall, he's like, "Oh, yeah, oh man, yeah, you need an upgrade there, Tone. Here you go." Um, I love that the Bucks are are heels now, because I think whether or not they wanted to turn the Bucks heel right away, whether or not this was a whole big plan before the pandemic or whatever, I think if you really drag out the Bucks as heels. And be able for to have them to find themselves again. And to have FTR have a really long title reign. I say have FTR hold the tag titles for a whole year. Have the Bucks be heels for most of that run. And then have them have this coming of this this you know light bulb moment in their minds where they're just like, what are we doing? We we have to be 
who we who we who we are, the young bucks again, and you can lead to a baby you know baby face young bucks versus proper heel FTR. Uh, and I think that's probably where they're going with this. I think they're probably giving the the bucks uh, something new to do and something to hold them over until they eventually have that that match with FTR. And and granted, that match probably doesn't need the tag team titles, but I think it would just make the the match that much better. Because you can have FTR drop the tag titles next week on Dynamite and then have them face the Bucks at full gear. But I don't think that's the right direction we're, we're going in. Because later on, we had FTR come out with this segment where they said they're having this 20 minutes of fame, whatever it was called. And they picked SCU, uh, Scorpio Sky and Frankie Kazarian, that if they can beat them in 20 minutes... I think it's uh, they get a tag title shot or they become the tag team champions. But if they don't beat them in 20 minutes, the win goes to FTR. Which I can imagine a lot of these are going to be FTR trying to waste time and get the win by just... Not necessarily by cheating, but by pretty much being old school heels, which is what FTR is great at. And Best Friends came out. It's like, all right, you guys want to... Because FTR was running down Best Friends and Santana Ortiz about the street fight they had uh, last week. Which, by the way, Dave Meltzer gave five stars. Um, I mean, I, I liked the match and it was great and everything. But but five stars, Dave? Five stars? I don't know. You're saying that's a bet... In your opinion, you're saying the that uh, Best Friends and, San, and Santana and Ortiz was a better match than The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania 25. I mean, we all know which match is supremely and so much better. No disrespect to ta- uh, to Santana and Ortiz and uh, Trent and Chuck Taylor because those two teams are great. But how can you... Whatever, I'm not going to get into this little rant here. Dave Meltzer has his own little opinions, whether I like him, whether you, li- whether you like him or not, whatever. The fact of the matter is, Best Friends came down to uh, confront FTR... And said, fellas, that was not a match. That was a fight, which is something you don't like to get into. Pretty much, the best friends were challenging FTR to a match right then and there. Saying, like, all right, since you got... And Beretta's like, since you got your red panties on, let's have a match right now. Talking about their their uh, their trunks. FTR seemed like they were going to fight, but they backed off. And they left. Um, I think that uh, the best best friends are the perfect... Challenge first challengers for FTR, which I think that's the match we'll get at full gear. FTR versus best friends, and they have built up Beretta and Taylor so well. I mean, that feud they had with Santana and Ortiz, and they've just been on a roll lately. They've been on such a roll. They had a great uh tag title match against uh Omega and Page earlier this year at Fighter Fest. I think. We'll probably get FTR versus Best Friends. I don't think we'll. I don't think they'll take the titles off of them, but they do feel like credible contenders, and that's one thing that's really great about their the AEW tag division is that every team that you have feels credible, and they could easily challenge the tag team champions, regardless of whatever team you name. They're definitely credible, and, and Best Friends to me are the are the prime opponents to face uh, FTR, which I even thought of that prior before they had this segment. I was even thinking to myself before I watched Dynamite, I'm just like, you know what? Who's going to face FTR? 
They're probably the best friends. And again, best friends seem like they're the logical pick. And that's what AEW seems to do is that they base their wrestling storylines on logic rather than bullshit. But we'll get to that later on. Also on the show is that uh, Orange Cassidy and Brody Lee, Mr. Brody Lee, my apologies, Mr. Brody Lee, the TNT champion, he defended the championship against Orange Cassidy. This was a fun TV match. This was a fun match. I didn't see Cassidy winning, but it was nice to see him in this prime spot on television. You know, I think the the, the feud with him and Chris Jericho, the, the, the feud did wonders for Cassidy, and it's brought out a new side of him. Um... I like that he was kind of going back to being old Orange Cassidy in the beginning, not really caring and progressively fighting with heart. Um, the match went really well. You had a, a Dark Order out there again, this time in the corner of Mr. Brody Lee. They're out there earlier for uh, Evil Uno's match. And it was a really fun, fast-paced match. At the end, afterwards, it was Cody who made his triumphant return to AEW. But the first thing I saw on Twitter when I went to go check what everybody was saying is that he looks like, uh, and I'm going to see if I can try and not butcher this guy's name, Stefan Carl Stefferson. If you don't know, he is number one. <laughs> um, the guy who played Robbie Rotten on Lazy Town. Uh, go, go look up a picture of Robbie Rotten from Lazy Town and then look up Cody's new look, his return from this past Wednesday on Dynamite. They look very similar. And Cody's back to the uh, to the blonde, uh, well, the the black hair uh, looks a lot younger with the black hair. So Cody Rhodes is back, uh, presumably feuding with Brody Lee to try and take back the TNT Championship. And I'm for it. I I don't necessarily see Cody winning the championship back. I, I really think Cody should kind of move on, and do something else. Uh, but the question is, what? I'm not really sure. I liked the return. I was like, but I saw something on Twitter earlier today where like someone said like, uh, oh, Cody Rhodes is going to be appearing on Dynamite tonight. And they're like, all right. I, I figured as much. I figured at the end, like it's probably going to uh, end up with a Cody return. And, and Cody was also selling the, the injury, the beat down that he got from Brody Lee after he had lost the TNT title. So uh, again, presumably uh, Cody Rhodes versus Bro Mr. Brody Lee at AEW Full Gear for the TNT Championship. And the main event was, again, uh, Eddie Kingston versus John Moxley for the AEW Championship. This was probably my favorite match of the night. It was between Cassidy and, uh, and, and Brody Lee, between which ones I liked the best. But I liked this one a little bit better because Eddie Kingston and John Moxley properly beat the shit out of each other. And I loved it. I loved every second of this match. And I want to see more. I want to see more of Eddie Kingston versus uh, versus John Moxley to the point where I like how this kind of thing where Eddie Kingston keeps saying like I was never eliminated from the battle royal because he didn't go off from the top rope. He went from the middle rope, uh, being thrown over by Lance Archer. So I would like what I'd like to see for full gears. I'd like to see a triple threat between Moxley, Kingston, and Archer. Because I think Eddie Kingston could probably take a loss and not get really affected by it. Like, if it's a triple threat match, then Kingston can be the one to take the loss and Archer can move on to something else. Maybe even have Brian Cage interfere in that match at full gear and that'll set up Archer and Brian Cage. So, 
But anyway, getting back to uh, Moxley and Kingston, what happened on AEW, uh, they were hitting chops with each other. They're properly throwing each other everywhere. Again, beating the shit out of each other in this episode of Dynamite. Uh, Moxley retained the title, obviously. And I th- uh, it was by submission, I believe. And Eddie Kingston uh, didn't stop. He beat. He kept beating up on John Moxley. Then come Pentagon and Ray Phoenix. Then in comes uh, Will Hobbs trying to come in and interfere. Uh, numbers game is getting the better of them. Then Darby Allen tries to come in and even up the odds. And then Ricky Ricky Starks comes in and hits the most devastating-looking spear I've seen in a long time. Ricky Starks has the best spear in all of professional wrestling right now. He properly knocked the fuck out of Darby Allen this past Wednesday. And you had Taz there, and the end of the show was uh, the heels getting over on the baby faces. So this feud between Moxley and Eddie Kingston is not over. There is one segment, though, however, that I for uh, a couple segments that I forgot to mention. And it's with the million dollar, sorry, the million viewer man, the champion Chris Jericho in the inner circle, and Matt Hardy in private party. And there's a big who done it right now with uh, with AEW, like who attacked Matt Hardy. Chris Jericho claims it wasn't him, and it wasn't Sammy Guevara, which Sammy Guevara made his return this week to AEW. Isaiah uh, Mark Quinn tried to fight for and challenge Chris Jericho, but it was Isaiah Cassidy who ended up challenging Chris Jericho, and they will have a match next week on Dynamite. I'm gonna try and briefly get over these next few things because there's a lot of other things we need to talk about. But I'll say this about uh, Jericho is that I've said it a bunch of times in this podcast that Jericho is always willing to work with younger guys and help put them over and help them learn in the ring. And when a guy, a younger guy faces Chris Jericho and and even if he loses, it's still not like, again, it's not like they took these, it's as if, it's, it, it, say Chris Jericho's in WWE right now. Say Isaiah, Isaiah Cassidy was in WWE. If Jericho beat Isaiah Cassidy they wouldn't do anything else to make Isaiah Cassidy feel important. And he would essentially be buried. No fault to Chris Jericho, but it would just be the booking. So we've seen before how Jericho's had matches with younger guys and they've still and they've come out looking like stars. Darby Allen and Scorpio Sky are two uh, examples of that. So I'm excited for this match next week. And I would really love to see a feud between Santana and Ortiz and Private Party because those two teams could have a really, really great feud. Um, the next thing that happened with Chris Jericho is that he had a nice backstage segment with MJF, and that is the match, I believe, the the really big money match we're going to see at Full Gear uh, in a couple of months, in about a month. I don't know. I can't remember when the pay-per-view is because... Jericho and MJF were calling, uh, were saying that they called each other losers. Why'd you call me a loser? They're getting pissed off at each other, and MJF's like, like, and Jericho's like, where did I call you a loser? Like, I saw it on Instagram, I saw it on Reddit, I saw it on Twitter, and then Jericho's like, what? And MJF's like, why do you think I called you a loser? Why do you think I saw you call me a loser last week on Dynamite? He's like, whoa, Chris, I wasn't talking about you. Some of that limo driver. Oh, let's talk about you. I was talking about those loser fans. They're losers. I believe that's what they said. Um, and Jericho saying like, "Oh, let's talk about the limo driver." And 
their the segment ended with just them kind of making up. It's like, you know what, Chris, you're all right. You know what, Maxwell, you're all right. And these segments are so reminiscent of the Kevin Owens, Chris Jericho segments that they had. And we we saw something like this sometime last year when MJF properly turned heel on Cody Rhodes to cost him the title. But everyone's saying, oh, is MJF going to join the inner circle? I'm like, well, MJF shouldn't join the inner circle because MJF is his own thing and he should be his own thing. And I still don't think he should join the inner circle. However, though, there can be an alliance and a bond between MJF and Chris Jericho, which I would love to see. And again, this is building similar to uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho back about three years, uh, three, four years ago or so. So I'm very much looking for if that match happens on the card, it's the match I'm going to be looking forward to the most Jericho versus MJF. Uh, because it's clear they, they've had big plans for MJF. He's always been put in a top position. He's feuded with Cody. He's feuded with Moxley. And now it appears he's going to be feuding with Chris Jericho. I mean, it's no it's no secret that MJF for sure is going to be the face of AEW for a very, very long time. And he's the guy that they want to build the company around. And I say there's no better guy to build it around. You could, as your top heel at the very least. I think your top babyface for years to come is Darby Allen, but at the very least, MJF is the perfect guy to build this company around. Moving on to NXT. NXT opened this week with a women's over-the-top rope battle royal, where the winner would get a title match at Takeover against Io Shirai. Uh, before the match happened, we had a all bunch of women in the ring getting a jobber entrance, and Candice LeRae had attacked Tegan Knox, taking her out of the match. I had saw earlier that it was announced that Tegan Knox would be getting an MRI because she, and she, it seems she had torn her ACL. Uh, I don't know if this was kayfabe or whatever, but if this is true. Uh, wish Tegan Knox the sp- a speedy recovery, and hopefully she comes back sooner rather than later, back to better than ever. Candice Array is the one who won this battle royal, and if you all know me, I love, love Candice Array. Candice Array, I've been a big fan of for years now, and I'm so happy. She finally, finally gets a championship match and a takeover. Um, is she going to win? I mean, my heart says yes. My head, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if she's going to win, but this is a great, great prime position for her. Also, Johnny Gargano will be facing Damian Priest for the North American Championship at TakeOver. But the thing about that match, though, that doesn't make much sense is how they announced it. They had William Regal announce it on Twitter, which is uh, strange because... NXT typically doesn't do that. They don't typically announce matches on on social media like WWE likes to on the main roster product. And I saw that on the in the in the on the show they had Gargano attack Damian Priest after he had beaten uh, Austin Theory. And I go to myself, why couldn't they just have done that to set up their takeover match? Maybe because takeover is probably a week from Sunday. Takeover is coming up really soon. I had no idea. But 
I guess they kind of need to get their shit in, and they they're kind of maybe panicking a little bit to bo- to book the show. Who knows? Um, they had a weird tag team match. They had um, uh, Danny Birch and Roderick Strong. Uh, I think they faced one of the guys from Imperium and one of the guys from uh, Escobar's group. I'm I'm blanking on the names right now. Uh, but they won the tag match, and they will. Ha- and um, uh, Birch and Lorcan will face uh, presumably Roderick Strong and Bobby Fish for uh, a tag team title opportunity. F- who will face Brizongo at Takeover? Um, the main thing that happened on the show that I really, really want to talk about, and mostly because I watched the Hulu version, a lot of stuff was cut. But the main thing I want to talk about is this main event and the winner of this main event, mainly the winner of this main event. So there was an elimination style uh, match that happened in the main event of NXT. It was Bronson Reed, uh, Kushida, Timothy Thatcher, Cameron Grimes, and Kyle O'Reilly of the Undisputed Era. Um, my one problem with this match is that Velveteen Dream is still on television. He's still showing up. I, I really, really, really don't like Velveteen Dream on NXT right now. I really don't like, for obvious reasons, for obvious reasons. If you don't know, where have you been living under a rock? You want to know what's going on with Velveteen Dream? Go look it up on Google. Look, go look it up on Twitter or whatever. Um, but the main, but mainly this match though was awesome. I really, really enjoyed it. I really didn't know who was gonna win. I remember seeing the participants announced. I was, a lot of people saying like, "Oh, maybe it could be Kushida," because Kushida and Balor have had uh, history in Japan. Um, for me, it was I'm like, it's got to be either Kushida or Kyle O'Reilly, and I wanted it to be Kyle O'Reilly so badly, and it is. For those who are unaware. Kyle O'Reilly is an amazing singles wrestler, and I'm so happy that he is going to get his going to be in the main event of a takeover against Finn Balor. This is definitely something that a lot of hardcore fans of Kyle O'Reilly have been wanting for a long time. Yes, he's a great tag wrestler, and him and Bobby Fish are one of the best tag teams in the world, and one of the best tag teams in the past decade. But we obviously would want to see Kyle do more. For those who are fans of the Undisputed Era, we all love Kyle O'Reilly. We all love his antics. We all love his his facial expressions. And when he's a ch- and when he's NXT Tag Team Champion, he holds the he plays the air guitar and as, as an homage to Hollywood Hogan. You know, you know he bumps like nobody else. He's a very unique style of wrestler, and it's great to see him in this. Uh, this spotlight at a takeover. And I think this is going to be one of the best matches of the year. I am definitely going to go out on a limb and say this will be match of the night. Um, I'm don't, it's a safe bet that Kyle's not going to win the championship, but this is the start of his singles push. This is the start of making Kyle O'Reilly that breakout babyface single star of the undisputed era, um, I really enjoyed. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, his time as a tag team. I really kind of hope maybe they would have done for that 
thing I pitched a couple weeks ago about Kyle kicking out Adam and he becoming the new leader of the Undisputed Era. But I think this this still works too. And you could probably still do that with Kyle O'Reilly being a singles guy and then Adam Cole still runs the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole's the proper hero, uh, proper heel. But we'll have to wait and see. So far, the takeover card is Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship, Damian Priest versus Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship, and like we just discussed before, Finn Balor versus Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Championship. I believe TakeOver 31 is what they're calling it. will be happening a week from this Sunday. I'm excited, but honestly, I didn't know when TakeOver was going to happen. So, uh, let's see. So... Now, we move on to the better part of this podcast being the negative. The better part of this podcast being how horrible, how fucking horrible Monday Night Raw is. Strap yourselves in, because we're going to be going into this and then the predictions for Cosmo Champions. So, Monday Night Raw opened with Retribution, which the members, if you can't tell, are Dominic Dijakovic, Shane Thorne, Mia Yim, Mercedes Martinez, and Dio Madden. But Dio Madden, Dijakovic, and Shane Thorne all have new names. Shane uh, Dijakovic is now known as T-Bar. Um... Uh, Dio Madden is now known as Mace. And <laughs> Shane Thorne is known as Slapstick. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you think about that and let it let's sink in your brain for a minute. Shane Thorne's new name in retribution is Slapstick. Who the fuck is being paid? To think of these names. Or is it just Vince McMahon himself? Is it, just, it has to be Vince. It has to be Vince thinking these fucking names. I mean, Jesus Christ. Mia Yim and Mercedes Martinez have not appeared to have new names. And if they really think that we're not going to know who Mia Yim is. Come on, WWE. Come on. So, their main... Uh, their main point of this faction and their and their drive for what they're doing and why they're doing it is because they don't like the hypocrisy of the WWE. They don't like how people are whores for money and that they're going to destroy WWE. But now they've signed WWE contracts and they're free to do whatever they want. How does that make sense from a storyline perspective? You have this group who is destroying your company. You have this group who is made it abundantly clear they want to destroy the WWE. What do you do? You sign them to contracts. Wow, these guys are really messing up our show. These guys are really interfering. Let's put them on television. Let's give them let's give them contracts. I mean, when this whole thing started, it 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 just it just it's just not good. It is just awful. And all of these guys and girls deserve so much better. Especially Dominic Dijakovic. The guy was having 
amazing matches with Keith Lee. I'll get to Keith Lee in a minute because I got a rant about him too. He's having amazing matches with the likes of Keith Lee on, on NXT television before they got to the USA Network. They had that great TakeOver uh, title match, uh, North American title match that happened earlier this year uh, at, at TakeOver Portland. He is a big guy similar to Keith Lee that does unbelievable, amazing acrobatic moves. And the strength of this guy is incredible. And you're having him in as the as the leader of this fucking horrible faction, and and, and slapsticks new uh, mask. CM Punk took a shot at it. Says when you get bored of catering, you put all a bunch of plates together because that's what his mask look like. Looks like Mia Yim's mask. It doesn't even look like they're trying to hide her face. That is Mia Yim's face. At least with 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 Mason T Bar, you could tell. You can kind of can't tell it's 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 not them i mean the mask covers their face better mia yim it's just like that that is painfully obvious it's mia yim (laughs) so going through this i mean you from a kayfabe storyline standpoint this doesn't make any sense so they're feuding with the hurt business and the hurt business uh, challenges them to a fight in the main event tonight. So the Hurt Business are heels, but they're facing Retribution, who are also heels. And in this match later on, they work as baby faces. Meanwhile, at the same time, Bobby Lashley is still feuding with Apollo Crews. The Hurt Business are still feuding with Apollo Crews and Ricochet. And they're still being heels there. Doesn't make any sense. So... Then, then later on, we have this triple threat tag tag team match, where the winners will face the Street Profits for the tag team titles this coming Sunday. The teams are Seth Rollins and Buddy Murphy, who pretty much broke up last week, Andrade and Angel Garza, who broke up last week, and and Dominic Mysterio and Humberto Carrillo, who we haven't seen Humberto Carrillo in months, and they've never tagged together before. So, <laughs> Angel Garza and Andrade, or Angel Garza and Austin Theory in, in that mix, he's been feuding for the tag team titles since WrestleMania. They've had like 10 matches this year between these guys. And what are you doing breaking up all these tag teams when your tag team division was small to begin with? Now, now Andrade and Garza have, they're the number one contenders. Now, all of a sudden, they're on the same page, and they've lost Selena Vega, their mouthpiece that makes them so great. I'm afraid that if they lose on Sunday, there's no one coming back for these guys. I mean, I feel like they have to win. I'll get to my predictions later, but it's just, why would you... First of all, why are you breaking up so many tag teams? And if you're going to put another tag team in this match, why wouldn't you put Rey Mysterio with Dominic when you saw that they had great chemistry as a tag team with a father and son against Murphy and Rollins at uh, Battleground a few weeks ago? Why? I don't get it. The one thing that made sense in that match is that Rollins, he left uh, and left Murphy hanging. And then there was a segment with the Mysterio family and uh, Seth Rollins, and Seth Rollins was claiming that 
uh, Dominic isn't the father of Rey Mysterio. And, and Rey's like, oh, come on, man. We did this 15 years ago. Are you serious? And he's like, no, you know, I'm sorry, Rey. It appears my charts are wrong. And says that Aaliyah, your daughter, may not be your real daughter. Um, I am kind of intrigued with this whole thing with with uh, Aaliyah and, and Murphy. And Murphy apologized to Aaliyah. She... Because she she he apologized to her about what Seth did, and Seth was just like, ah, she's just a kid, she's nineteen, she don't even know anything. Why are you getting her involved? Um, that that's the one minor thing that was okay in this show. Um, Zelina Vega is gonna be getting a Raw Championship match against Oscar this this Sunday on the fucking pre-show. I mean, they have not done a good job building this pay-per-view at all. Um, another thing that really pissed me off. Um, another thing that, I mean, I think, I think the main thing that's really made Raw Underground so, uh, sorry, Raw so horrible is Raw Underground, and episodes of Raw have been decent here and there, but this one, this one is, was just so bad. It was so fucking bad. So, Shane McMahon leaves the Raw Underground lair, goes to the doorman, says, I'm gonna be going on Kevin Owens' show, to promote Dabakeo versus Braun Strowman for Raw Underground. And the doorman's like, man, I can't wait to see that match. You don't watch the matches, you fucking idiot. You let people in so they can either fight or watch the matches. How the fuck are you going to watch them? So, Shane McMahon goes on the Kevin Owens show. Kevin Owens even pokes fun at like at saying, like, you know, some probably wondering why you're here. I mean, I got you fired, but I guess 2020 is a weird year. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. Kevin Owens should not want Shane McMahon there. Then Dabakeo comes out. Braun Strowman comes out. They get into a bit of a standoff, and Shane's like, oh, whoa, whoa, save it, save it for later. Save it for the fight later. And then Aleister Black comes in and attacks Kevin Owens from behind. He pulls him from back of the, the, the corner of the ring, and he's attacking his knees, uh, throwing them into the, the, uh, the post. And at this whole time, Braun Strowman, Shane McMahon, and Dabakeo are not even paying attention that Kevin Owens is getting attacked. That just, I mean, that's just really stupid. Why don't you have Dabakeo and Braun Strowman brawl, get people to break them up, and then have Kevin Owens stand in the ring on his own, and then have Aleister Black attack him? That, that, it just makes, just makes Shane look like a dickhead, which we all know Shane's a dickhead. And he doesn't give a fuck, and, and, and it just... I don't understand this shit. I really don't. A lot of guys that I'm big fans of, I'm worried about. I mean, Kevin Owens deserves better. Aleister Black deserves better. On paper, that feud should be great, but it hasn't. It hasn't. And and now... I, you know, I'll just skip over to Raw Underground. Braun Strowman just beat Dabakeo in like a minute. In a fucking minute. Gr- great job building that. Now we'll move on to another thing that is really getting on my nerves. Is how WWE are booking Keith Lee. So it's been a rocky start for Keith. He's had like eight matches in his time on the main roster. Only one of them he's had a clean victory. The rest have either ended in disqualification disqualification or, uh, or count out. I'm sorry, or or no contest? That's what happened here. 
Earlier this week, they announced on social media that Keith Lee would be facing Drew McIntyre again. This time, if he wins, he's added to the WWE Championship match, making it a triple threat ambulance match between Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton, and Keith Lee being added to the match. But on Raw, they announced that if Keith Lee won, he would be in, inserted into the into the match at Class of Champions if Randy Orton could not compete. So what happens if Keith Lee wins and Randy Orton can compete? Does he get a future title shot against Orton or McIntyre, depending who the champion is? Um, is he st- is he inserted to the match? Do they just like say screw it? Okay, you're in the match. Well, we don't know because Randy Orton interfered again, and he went after Drew's Drew's leg. He uh, apparently Drew has a fractured draw. Uh, sorry, fractured jaw. You can't see the quotation marks I'm doing right now because this is audio. Um, and pretty much saying that he's going to take the title from from Drew on Sunday. And then the main event of the show saw Retribution versus. The Hurt Business. Again, the Hurt Business are heels and they're working as baby faces against Retribution. And what what they did to finish this match. So Mace, I believe his new name, he attacked the non... He's the non-legal man. He attacked the legal man of the Hurt Business. And Tom Phillips was saying that apparently. He's like, the non-legal man of the legal man! The non-legal man of the legal man! Apparently that's a fucking rule in tag team wrestling. It's happened a bunch of times in double team double team moves. But this ended in a disqualification or no contest, and then the rest of the locker room come out, and then uh, uh, after the match, the yeah the locker room comes out, and Raw ends with Randy Orton hitting RKO on Drew McIntyre. They came out too. So this was your plan. This is your big, big plan for Raw to get more ratings. And I understand. I mean, look, in all fairness, it's great to see new, new, new younger talent be put in the spotlight. It's great to see them in the main event of Raw. But I don't understand how anybody thinks this is good. I don't understand how anybody in WWE right now thinks this is good. Because there are even backstage reports that... Retribution's own WWE colleagues think this is laughable. <laughs> when Retribution is talked about, it's just they, people just laugh. We as the fans laugh. I mean, I laugh when I saw these fucking ridiculous names. <laughs> I mean, come on, Mace, T-Bar, sl- <laughs> Slapstick. For God's sake, man, Slapstick. The fucking guy's name is Slapstick. So, I I don't know. They, they this is not a good start for Retribution, and I I fear they're gonna go the ways of Nexus. And I mean, I feel I mean I feel bad for all of them, but I really feel bad for Dijakovic the most. I really, really feel bad for Dijakovic the most. And I and I can't stand this whole thing of, you know, when you're in NXT, okay, you did that, but now you're on Raw, now you're on SmackDown, so. Don't do what you did there. We're going to make you somebody new. Why do you do that? Why would you have... That's that's what frustrates me when someone comes to the main roster that I've invested all this time in a wrestler 
to watch them grow as a character, and then you completely change who they are when they get to the main roster. Bobby Roode's a completely is a is a perfect example of he was an old school type heel, you know, a Ric Flair esque type of heel. You know, he's not the greatest in the ring, but but it's his character that draws you. His entrance, the music, the theme song, the presentation of Bobby Roode is what drew you in. They brought him and they called him up the night on uh, the SummerSlam after SmackDown, which I was there for. They have him have a competitive match with Aiden English, which I don't understand. And they had him as a babyface because Vince heard everybody the- sing the theme song. And he's like, oh, okay, he's a babyface. People like the song, but he is a better heel. He's a much better heel. And it, and it, that damaged Bobby Roode. Bailey, they messed up Bailey. It took her to come back after a long time. I don't understand why. And now it's just like, it's not even, and here's something different. They're not even just changing the character presentation. They're changing the name completely. Same thing with the Viking Raiders. When they were War, War Raiders in NXT. And then they became the Viking Experience. Uh, Eric and Ivar. Like, I don't get why you can't just re- let a wrestler be a wrestler and let them do what brought them to the dance. You're messing up these guys in Retribution. You're, you're messing up Keith Lee. You're not doing a great job of building new stars. You're you're just not. Vince McMahon has to mold them in his image. I'm just like, can't you tweak a few things? Like, I would love it if he would tweak nothing, but let's be real. He's not going to do that. But can't you just let them be themselves? Can't you just let them be themselves? Can't you just trust somebody like you trust certain guys? Like you, tr- like you trust Randy Orton, like you trust Drew McIntyre, and you trust AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan, and can't you just do that? Can't you just fucking do that? I mean, if Triple H liked them so much, and depending on the level, like like I like Keith Lee, he pushed him so much to the moon that he gave him the NXT Championship, and he was the most over babyface in the entire show. You're really gonna try and do and change him and book him this way, and you really think? This is how you're going to get him over as a big top star? You think this is going to do it? We're well, not doing a good job of it. And you need to change it right now. I don't know what they're going to do. But this episode of Raw did not make me happy. And it did not make me want to tune in and watch next week. So with that being said, let's just get into the predictions of this show. Clash of Champions this Sunday, 2020. The pre-show is going to have Asuka versus Zelina Vega for the Raw Women's Championship. Because this is the pre-show, I don't see Asuka losing, so I'm going to go with Asuka to retain here. Uh, I I like that Zelina Vega is going to be getting a championship match here, but I just don't see her winning. It's just not going to happen. Not to say there won't be a good match, because there probably will be, but I just can't see it happening. Next up for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, we have Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura, the champions, defending against Lucha House Party. Either Kalisto and Grand Metalik, or Lince Dorado and Kalisto, or Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. Um, I've been behind on my SmackDown, other than what's going on with Roman Reigns, uh, but apparently there's been dissension between Lucha House Party, so I'm going to go with Shinsuke and Cesaro to retain. Uh, probably going to have them break up, and honestly, Lucha House Party has never been a great... Uh, Never been a big interest of mine, even though, you know, Lince Dorado is really great and Grandma Delique's really great and Kalisto's, you know, Kalisto. But it was, uh, 
I'm just going to go with Shinsuke and Cesaro to retain the tag titles. Moving on to the next tag team title match of the night, the Street Profits versus Andrade and Angel Garza. So I was saying before that Andrade and Angel Garza kind of have to win. They kind of have to win, but I don't see them winning, honestly. I see uh, the Street Profits retaining here. I see them retaining because if you didn't put them on, the, if you didn't put them, uh, if you didn't put the belts on them at SummerSlam, why are you going to put in the belts on them now? So I got the Street Profits to retain. Uh, next up is Bobby Lashley versus Apollo Cruz for the United States Championship. Why is this match happening again? Why? It doesn't make any sense for the title to go on Apollo Cruz. So I'm going to have Bobby Lashley retain. Next, we have Jeff Hardy versus AJ Styles versus Sami Zayn, a triple threat ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship. Now, out of all the matches that are happening this Sunday, this is the one I'm most invested in. This is the one I'm looking forward to the most. I am so excited for this match. Hardy, Styles, and Zayn, it's really a toss-up. It's really a toss-up as to what they're going to do. Um... I don't see AJ winning the title back because he just had it not that long ago, even though his title reign wasn't that long. He could have had it for a little longer and could have been a little more significant. Could have done more with the belt. Um, I'm not sure if Jeff will retain, since again, since he just won it. Um, but I haven't predicted a title change yet, so this is where I'm going to do it. I'm, I'm going to say Sami Zayn wins here. I'm going to say Sami Zayn becomes the undisputed Intercontinental Champion. Uh, and I guarantee this will be match of the night. Uh, next, we have Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler versus the Riot Squad of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan for the WWE Tag, uh, Women's Tag Team Championships. And uh, Nia and Shayna surely have to be winning this, right? Uh, the Franken team of Nia and Shayna. I mean, I don't buy them as a tag team. I don't like them as a tag team. Uh, but they'll retain here and they'll drop the titles down the line. That's all I got to say about that because I'm not looking forward to this match at all, which is sad because I am actually a really big fan of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan. I just really wish that their opponents weren't Nia and Shayna right now. Uh, next up, we have Bailey versus Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey has to be winning here because she's going to be feuding with Sasha. I've been saying the Sasha and Bailey storylines probably my one of, if not my favorite thing going on at the main roster currently. I don't know if they're going to build this to a Hell in a Cell match, but they're definitely going to be building to Shane, uh, to, sorry, to Sasha and Bailey down the line. I think that I personally think that match the main event WrestleMania, but it's the one feud going on that could make sense for Hell in a Cell if they're going to be doing Hell in a Cell. I, I, I don't know if they will or not, but but it makes sense. Who am I kidding? It's a gimmick match. They're going to have Hell in a Cell, and, it's, and they're in an arena now, so, yeah, they're having fucking Hell in a Cell. Um, make sure I didn't skip over any of these. Next up, uh, Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton for the WWE Championship in an ambulance match. This one's a little harder to predict. Um, I This does feel like it's a match where... Drew could lose the title and it doesn't necessarily hurt him. But I don't know. They 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 could try and do this that like Randy could win and then have, you know, if they're going to still have Roman be Universal Championship, 
championed by Survivor Series, have Randy versus Roman, and then... Because I'm not sure if they want to do Drew versus Roman, and I'm not sure if they want either guy to take a clean loss over the other. Um, But I'm... I don't know. I'm going to go with Drew here. I think Drew will retain, and I'm not sure. If, I, I just I think if they if they wanted to put the belt on Orton, I feel like they would have done it by now. That's my thing. I felt like they would have put the belt on Orton, and I think uh, Drew will retain. Uh, next, uh, actually, finally, the Universal Championship match. The champion, Roman Reigns, with Paul Heyman going against his cousin, Jay Uso. Uh, this has been a properly built story. Again, the Roman Reigns thing is probably the other f- favorite, my other favorite thing that's going on in main roster WWE at the moment. Um, but Roman's going to win. He just won the title, and Jay's not going to win the championship. This could be a good singles singles push start for Jay Uso. But um, uh, Roman Reigns had an interview saying that you know he'll be having uh you know probably seen with his shirt off in the match. So I think he's going to be debuting new. Ring attire. He said down the line he'll be debuting uh, a new look and new uh, uh, a new theme song because he needs to get rid of the shield gear and the shield uh, shield theme song. It's been way way overdue. But I think this match is going to be relatively quick. But I think Roman's going to beat the fucking shit out of his cousin Jey Uso. I think it's going to be brutal. I think he's just going to spear him and spear him and spear him. Superman punch and just throw him around and Roman will win the match and continue this great heel run. That will do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at TNAWP, Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast, like us on Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. You can find us on Pod, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor.fm. If you go on Anchor.fm, Anchor.fm the website, you will find the full list of our podcast formats that you may listen to the podcast to. I hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're all doing well. Class of Champions this Sunday. Will you be watching it? I mean, I will. Got nothing better to do anyway. Anyway, for CJ Palmasano, I will see you next time.